exactly a standard, but we've got a bit of racing to catch up with over the festive period. Um, just a quick heads up to an amazing British effort in Madonna di Campiglio pre-Christmas. Three Brits, Laurie, Billy and Dave riding, all getting a second round of scoring points. Uh, it just shows how, uh, how far they've come and it's a great team effort, isn't it, Ben, in terms of uh, those guys going from strength to strength. And before we quickly then move ahead and talk to the racing, which pre-New uh, pre Year and uh, after Christmas, it was the Bormio downhill and Super G on what was probably one of the toughest Bormios I can remember and a historic uh, triple in Semmering with Schifrin absolutely dominating and uh, walking away with yet more records. Ben. Go for it. Which one do you want to pick from? You going to start with the Brits? Yeah, just uh, just incredible to to see those guys skiing, uh, getting three three people through to the second run is is pretty groundbreaking in the first place, and then getting them all to the finish on the second run was 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 incredible. Uh, some really the Billy and, and Laurie, I was really impressed with their first runs. They looked like not necessarily backed off a bit on the second run. I think they both made mistakes fairly early on their second run and, and kind of adjusted the, their approach. But just so good for, for British skiing to see that. And obviously, Charlie will, will get on to. Got some some points in the women's slalom as well. So uh, slalom right now for the for the Brits is rocking. Yeah, smashed it. Actually, yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, lucky enough to get commentating on that as well. So it was a nice... Um... A nice, yeah, moment for the Brits. Yeah, we were trying to work out, work out really quickly. We think it might have happened back in the day in some speed races, but the first time for men's uh, Alpine slalom, uh, which is, I don't know, seems a bit of a shocker. I thought maybe the Baxter brothers plus one other might have uh, snuck in it back in the day, back sort of 20 years or so years ago, which seems like back in the day. That's quite a long time ago now, to be fair, isn't it, Ben? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but let's move ahead. Let's... Um, Let's start with Bormio. I feel like we've got to start with Bormio. Uh, and the sort of headline news since we've last podded, we have a couple of the biggest names in ski racing deciding that enough's enough. Uh, one of them maybe not such a huge surprise with Beat Foyts deciding that he's going to hang up the boots after the classics. So after Wengen, he was thinking about racing in, in um, Bormio, but picked up a bug. So decided not to race. Uh, and so he's going to do... Kitzbühel and or Wengen and Kitzbühel um, but the other one probably more of a shock is Matthias Meyer who basically didn't race the downhill which was the first day because he wasn't feeling great suppose you know that's what that's what the Austrians said that he wasn't very well in the first race so he decided not to start he was going to start the super g did the inspection uh, and then got to the bottom of inspection and went to do his pre-race interview and then drop the bomb that he was going to retire no coaches knew uh, his teammate <laughs> Kriegmeier didn't know and he just won the night before uh, and his wife didn't know so an absolute um, blindside moment for the world of ski racing um, Ben go on which one I mean those, again. those two I mean we had we had the discussion with Marcel on the last podcast about, you know, Paris and Foyts and where were they and when should we start worrying and do we think they're trying to peak for later in the season and then finish that podcast. And I think the next day Foyts came out and said he was going to call it quits after the, those two uh, major, major downhills in, in the season just to just to mess with our podcasting uh, predictions. Um, and then, like you said, the uh, uh, Matthias Meyer one is was so out of nowhere it was it was unbelievable and because it was so unplanned I, I don't know whether you can read too much into what he said or whether that was just as raw as it gets he just in a couple of the interviews he was just like yeah I've just I've had enough um and it was very refreshing to hear it I, I mean I hope there's nothing yeah, there more to no it than PR, that there's no PR spin was there it wasn't you know they didn't have a chance to release a statement they didn't have a chance to do anything it's literally I mean I got to again I was commentating on those and I was doing it solo and I got to the office and was just going through the pre-race prep as you do you know getting your stories together getting all the all, all the, the sort of various bits of of info together and all of a sudden I think with about an hour to the start which is probably about the time 
pretty swiftly after he did that interview live in it well not live he did that interview in the finish area came through to us and it was I didn't really understand I couldn't I couldn't fathom it and then I watched the interviews I was just like this doesn't just doesn't sort of make sense that he's out of nowhere like I mean you kind of think maybe he would have I don't know d- decided to give himself a little break or decided to do something about other than just to go no, that's it. I'm retiring. It was so strange. I do wonder whether there's something, I don't know, maybe we're clutching at straws. Marcel and we were talking about it on the on our WhatsApp group, weren't we, trying to fathom if there's... Yeah, well, I mean, they uh, said on the on the Saturday with, with his injury or illness, they said it was kind of like a gastroenteritis type issue or something. And perhaps if that's something... Yeah. yeah, which if that's something he's had for a while and, and struggles with and, and racing, you know, the likes of, you know, Bormio and Val Gardena a couple of weeks apart, just before you go into the monsters of, of, of Wengen and Kitzbühel, maybe the, just the pressure it puts on his body is, is enough. He's, he's won everything there is to win kind of in the Olympics. Um, I think it was, Olympian. it was quite interesting when they started going through his stats, he got less world cup wins than I'd realized. Um, and you know, because he's been such a successful Olympian, perhaps because that that kind of four-year cycle trying to peak every four years, um, perhaps it is just he decided, you know what, I don't have another four years, and you know, as as good as much money as he makes, and as good as he is at World Cup racing, he just he doesn't stats. need it anymore. I've got some stats for you, Ben. So, oh, you've been the stat man for a change. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm taking that mantle right now. So right, I'll do hosting, you do stat man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's do a guess. Let's do a guessing game. How many Swiss francs do you think he has made in career prize money? Uh, I think this is quick fire questions. Doesn't work quite that well, I don't think. As a, as a, one mil, one point four million uh, in uh, World Cup prize, prize money. Yeah, uh, he's had nice. two hundred nineteen World Cup starts, forty five podiums, only eleven victories. Uh, seven downhill, three super G, one alpine combined. He's never won a globe. His best was second in downhill in 2021, fourth in the overall in 2020. Um, his World Cup debut was in 2009 uh, and it was in a super combined and he was 43rd and he was nine seconds, nine and a quarter seconds behind the winner, Roman Bauman. Uh, oh wow <laughs> uh, um but yeah 14 world championship starts actually he's never won a world championship medal which i didn't realize until i started looking through his stats uh but he's had nine olympic starts at three olympic games um and he's had three golds of bronze which is pretty epic i'm sorry if you can hear the baby in the background that's what happens when you're putting from home <laughs> um that i mean those those stats are incredible and you know there aren't, many, what career there, aren't, there aren't many people who would want to 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 swap a number of globes and world cup wins for for, for those olympic medals you know we, we talk about Foyt's retiring and he's he's had those globes he's had like four consecutive downhill globes obviously he's got i'm fairly sure Foyt's has got some olympic jewelry to, to go with it as well um but it's you know you ask any ski racer what they're in it for it you know they're in it for the olympics that's that's what you do that's what we grew up wanting to to do uh as racers is is go to the olympics and you know depending on the the, the level of racer you are try and win the olympics or medal or podium or, or, or anything like that we'll have to pull out those stats for Foyts actually when he finally does retire and then we can work out who uh whose re- career you'd rather have had uh <laughs> but um anyway i think it was it was epic i do wonder whether there's I mean, like I say, maybe it's just grasping at straws. And you're right, maybe it's refreshing. The guy was just like, do you know what? I've had enough. Like, it's it's intense. It's brutal. It's it's flipping dangerous racing World Cup speed. Uh, and maybe he just, you know, maybe just got the fear. Like, you know, one day you just wake up and, and, and you realise the risks aren't worth, you know, worth the battle anymore. And maybe just, maybe that was that day. I mean, Bormio, let's move on to Bormio, but it was at its most gnarly i think it was slick as uh, it was fast it was bumpy it was absolutely brutal uh, and maybe thought you know what it's not my cup of tea anymore but his teammate kriegmeyer smashed it on the first day a little bit out of nowhere but the only other guy to win a downhill apart from uh, kilda this year took the win in front of uh, james crawford by four tenths kilda was in third 
six tenths off the pace and those were the only guys within a second Odomat was four 1.42 back it was epic it was a cool race it was and when you get to do, do the commentary on these it's it's quite fun listening to it as well um when you're speaking from the experience uh, and, and hearing about just how brutal that that track is and you know some of the line choices that you have to make on that course just thinking about where you take the risks terrifies me uh looking at looking at how Bormio plays itself out you see some people making some nice turns and then the uh uh, uh yeah you, you see you see people making some nice turns and then you see the splits come up and they're like a second off the pace you're like okay <laughs> gotta got, got, <laughs> got take a few more risks than that then um uh, yeah, but like you said, it was a huge, huge race for for uh, Crawford. He's been uh, looking pretty good so far this season. And I think when he came down, he thought maybe he had it um, because he looked absolutely pumped um, when he got down. And I think there was a little run that was like um, Cochrane Siegel came down and took the lead. And then... Uh, uh, and then Crawford came down next and took the lead off him. And you thought, oh, maybe it's going to be his day. And then Creekmire came down. It just seemed in that little stretch. Yeah. Everyone was flying. And those three guys, I don't know if they had a, something a bit different on their skis or just something broke in the weather. But those three just seemed on a different different plane to everyone else. But again, Kildy, you can't you just can't really keep him away from the uh, from the medals right now. He's just he seems he seems on fire. Yeah, so consistent. But Creekmire's run was was epic. It was amazingly smooth and I think that was that's the thing if you look if you what that struck me when I was commentating on it it was the fact that he looked really smooth and and I don't think anybody else really looked I mean Kilda didn't even look smooth maybe Crawford looked quite smooth he made a couple of mistakes down towards the bottom um but it was Kriegmeier that guy just seemed to have it on rails even up through Carchantina um you know the fall that long fall away traverse towards the top before San Pietro. He looked like he had that on a shoestring, and I think he did. You know it was really cool. Kilda just so consistent. Odomat again. You can't. You know you talk about Kilda not getting away from the medals. Odomat still pretty close and still hunting for that World Cup win in downhill. Um, but then it came the next day because in that super G, oh my word! I, I don't think you could have seen a better. Uh, I don't think you could have seen a better run down that hill. Do you? six tenths in front of Creekmire, the only person to get close. Third place, Mayar, with the super, you know, with his giant slalom skills to help with that final section. It was so turny, so tough, but he was one point two off. I tell you what, that top section, that first maybe like twenty seconds, looked utterly baffling in the super G. They gave them so much speed. Um, the amount of people just missing gates in the Super G. I think that's that's what they said. There there just seemed so many people that just kind of got up to speed and then had to throw them sideways to stay on the course. It was was insane. Um, But like you said, the turns lower down was was so tight. It seemed like a kind of uh, night and day to that top section where they were just like, here, have all of the speed. And then the bottom, they were like, no, here's some (laughs) massive turns. So it was quite interesting. It was interesting trying to work out what kind of approach would would work like you saw some of the speed guys not being quite so comfortable with those turns at the bottom and and putting a lot more kind of drift or just pivot at the top of the turn to try and start the turn whereas like you said the likes of Odomat and, and Mayard and we saw Pantro have a pretty good result in 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 fifth just having the, the I guess the confidence to roll up onto the edge something you associate a little bit more with this with the speed guys but the turns were so tight for them um, the GS gear as well. We talking about this loads of space. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you should see the ones we normally have to do. Um, whereas the uh, obviously the uh, pure speed guys are used to having a lot more space between those turns to really kind of build the build the pressure. So it was a bit of a game of almost chicken at the bottom of of who could yeah. spend the most time just kind of being patient on their edges and letting the turn come round. But I mean, Odomat took half of those turns as if it was a GS. He was blasting through panels like. Svindal in his prime it was it was really great to watch just how fast he was yeah he 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 nailed that bottom section creek I talked about it in his post race he was say he said he said that he had to ski you know charge the top half basically to sort of that bottom of San Pietro before you sort of go on to that final steep where it gets really dark he said he just raced that really hard took all the risks and I think he was actually up on he was up 
on uh, Odomat at that point. It was certainly very close. I'm pretty sure he was up, if memory serves correctly. Um, uh, and, and then those final few turns, he said he just had to, he just totally switched his mindset, skied safe, made sure of his commitment to the outside ski and all that, and he, and walked away with second. I think Kilda, whose coach it was that said it was, I just double-checked, he, um, he was amazingly quick uh, and then stuck in a, a couple of ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous recoveries because he just went inside on one turn. Then the following turn, he went inside again and then nearly didn't make the third last gate, whatever it was, off that final roller. And he absolutely got beaten up by the bottom of uh, that hill. But somehow, I mean, I know we talk about how strong and fit and powerful and all that sort of stuff he is. And sometimes they sound like cliches and just words because you can say that about a lot of the athletes of being strong, fit and powerful. But the guy, to have that much fitness, to be able to pull off those ridiculous recoveries at the bottom of that hill after all that he's done was immense. And he finished down, I can't remember where he finished, but he finished down the order, cost himself some good points. Yeah, he was he was in eighth, and I think when we were messaging through it, uh, he he was in my bad books as 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 my uh, uh, pick for the uh, CPG. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like you said, those those turns at the bottom, you mentioned how slick the piece was. It wasn't like he was just kind of too stacked up inside. He was in an all right position. His feet yeah. just kind of went from underneath him, and then obviously the second time, you're just trying to get your feet back under you from the first fall or or, or kind of touchdown. And then when it when he does it again, you you know you think his race is over. But I can't remember if it was the super G or the or the downhill. But there seemed to be a lot of people getting caught out by the lines. And I think we talked about it uh, a bit after Val Gardena as well. People nearly jumping inside over that kind of last roller, nearly missing the second to last gate. And and I don't know whether someone had just gone off and left some tracks in the snow the wrong way, or whether they're just exhausted at that point because so many people were doing it. You were like, what? Why? Why has no one said to the to the guys at the finish, aim for the left side of the finish or right side or yeah. whichever one it was at the time. I just remember thinking, just thinking, please don't let this cost someone a podium because they're like right on it and they have to throw them sideways to get around that second to last gate. It is one of those things where you see, you know, it's it's a get. I think we talked about it briefly, or maybe it was in the commentary, but you talk, you see a couple of lines or a few tracks in the snow because obviously down the bottom there, it's not you know, you will be able to see the tracks in the snow because it is in the sun, that, that last jump. And so you'd see them going in one direction and then you're having, then you're trying to work out in the hundredths of a second you get when you finish the turn before and you're coming into the section to go, hang on a minute, why are they going that way? And I think I should be going that way. And then trying to, and then you got to, you know, you got to make that, you make that sort of call because you can see it and then you have to make that decision about which way to go and if i don't know sort of follow the herd or stick it out in your own way <laughs> sort of. and, then, and then panic in midair as you come over the rolls you see the, <laughs> you see you see the gate coming towards you on the wrong side of your body um yeah there were some there were some quite big uh escapes as well weren't there from, what, from, from... Claret didn't get it right though, did he got before all the way down all the way made it through the hardest bit and and then yeah Wrong side. Um, Claret did. I think it was a, a few of the French. I think um, Gisendander did did it as well. He might have even gone through the gone through the finish. But um, I think it was one of the uh, French guys as well. Had quite a, quite a big crash. Was it um, Sarazan? Maybe there was someone who ended up kind of coming over a roll at the top and going through the panel and cartwheeling into the into the nets. That was that was quite a bad one. Was that the guy that went through the B nets and then ended up in the trees? No, just went through the middle of a panel and then cartwheeled off the back of one of the jumps into the into the net. It was a bit worried. I was worried when um, I can't remember who it is now. Again, uh, but we he cart he ends up cartwheeling through three sets of B nets and then into the trees, and that's when you sort of real heart and mouth moment of uh, you know ski racer and trees. Don't. But yeah, you'd expect there to be another couple rows of beanets. Yeah, or an somebody was talking. I can't remember who it was on on social media. I mean, hindsight's a lovely thing, but um, I wonder if we'll see some beanets in there. Just you would know. you would think on those kind of hills, anywhere where there's even a feasible possibility that a skier could lose control at anywhere between kind of thirty and eighty miles an hour and end up somewhere other than the race piece, you would think that they need to consider a nets for that because it's all well and good saying, oh, it doesn't normally happen. But if it's possible, these 
these racers are pushing themselves harder and harder and harder every year. You've seen the types of crashes they can have and the, you know, the safety and security they're given with the kind of, you know, airbag um, vests that they wear are, are getting better, which makes them more confident and they'll probably take more risks in the future. No, no one's backing off, you know, like, like you said, Creek by new what he had to do to try and beat Odom out. These guys aren't going to be slowing down anytime soon. Um, they're going to just keep pushing and pushing. So, yeah, I think it'd be a, a sensible decision to try and, you know, just make sure you've got as many of those things covered and not just be too, we've always done it this way, we'll keep doing it this way until think, something bad happens. Yeah, I, I think when you see something like that, I mean, it's different when nobody's gone into that, net, you know, into that set of trees before i don't remember somebody doing it in that place before so you'd hope that now somebody actually has made it in and was lucky enough to walk away without any injuries they go yeah actually we should put some nets in there but um a couple of we had a couple of injuries um just quickly talk about um uh Urs Kreenball, yet another acl which he did with not crashing but just got compressed don't you remember in the super g um so the guy i think the, the guys had like 1800 ACL injuries. I mean, he comes back from one and does it instantly. I feel so sorry for the guy. I mean, um, it's pretty impressive that he came uh, sixth in the uh, in 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 the downhill. I thought he was looking back to some of his his yeah. kind of form, yeah, just, form exactly, of form. Exactly when you because... think he's going to get there, he then you know, no luck. Uh, but one one thing before we move on to the women, Ben, unless you've got anything else to add, um, Johan Claré talked. He tweeted after the race and he says. Um, when he fell, because he fell in the downhill as well. He said, uh, I didn't hurt myself. That's the main thing. I didn't enjoy myself either. I'm very glad that I'm never coming back here again. And it's hard to have fun, um, basically. Yeah, so he's obviously uh, imminently retiring. Oh, after home world champs, I think is, you know, that's not the biggest, so it won't be the biggest surprise on the tour. But uh, yeah, I think, I don't think there are many people, barring Kriechmeier, maybe, uh, Odomat. That's probably it. Maybe Crawford. Who I'd say Crawford. Enjoyed, yeah, the good weekend. Yeah. That Stelvio piece because it was it was next level. It wasn't, and and we need we need to move on as well. But where do we think we stand now with with Paris? Because he had a, another oh. shocker this weekend. Didn't look at all like himself. Didn't look in any way, shape, or form confident for a guy who's won there more than any other pe- person. He did not look confident on his skis. It's almost like he knows that he he's not the racer he was the last four or five years. I had faith. I, I even thankfully nearly did, and didn't nearly picked him for my. You know, I just felt that you know he's going to come to Bormio. It's all going to click. It was all going to slot nicely into place for the guy. Um, but he looked as out of sorts there as he has done the, the all the rest of the season. And, and I don't know, Ben. I'm not really sure. Uh, it annoys me a little bit. People talking about skis because the guy's won there six times in downhill. He's won uh, umpteen medals at World Cup stage on those Nordica skis. And you can't tell me that Nordica have all of a sudden made a ski that, that doesn't suit him. And if it doesn't suit him, he would just be on the old ski. He would just go back to the old ski. They'd stick the old the new top sheet on the old ski and he would be bet and he would do even if the tech has moved on that much where this year's ski is that much better than last year's, he would still be better than he is now, hundred percent. So I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't buy it. But this yeah, is, I would we mentioned with yeah, you mentioned with, with Meyer only having 11 World Cup victories. Paris has got 21. So, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's done it enough times before. He knows, he knows exactly what he's doing. But, yeah, it's, it's crazy that for some reason this year, just it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to be firing for him. So uh, one to keep an eye on as we, as we go through the season. Obviously, we've got some big weeks coming up for him with uh, Kitzbühel and Wengen. So we'll, we'll, we'll soon find out if he's going to uh, go the way of Foyts and, and, uh, and, and Matthias Meyer and just say, you know what, this Rangers isn't for me it. anymore. Uh, good question. Well, sure, so pretty well I was going to say pretty young relatively young yeah I mean Myers 32 that was the biggest surprise with yeah. with, with him retiring he's, he's so young well who knows anything goes uh, let's go let's go to Semmering for I think they should just they should just rebrand Semmering Schifrinville 
because she absolutely smashed it, didn't she? So they had two GSs and a slalom. Schifrin won both giant slaloms. The first day, Vlahova was second by 1300s. Uh, Bassino was three tenths back in third. And on the second GS, Goot Barami, who led the first run, ended up second by a tenth. Bassino was third by just under half a second. Um, Schifrin, I mean, it looked, it, the conditions weren't great. It, They'd obviously worked really hard to get the snow into a position. They'd injected it, they'd salted it because it was warm, and then it got cold, and then it got sandy, and then it got bumpy. Uh, and I think it was very, very difficult. Um, but Schifrin's technique, I guess, um, came to the fore. And we'll move on to the slalom later, but certainly in the slalom, which let's not talk about it now, but looks looks like she's she's sort of tapped into that old school form where she puts skis on and wins yeah that first day was horrible conditions we talked uh marcel was talking the other week uh and i think you were as well that the likes of val d'isere aren't necessarily great adverts for racing because it looks so challenging and you're watching the best people in the world struggle uh which i kind of like um but i agree it's not the best advert if these are the best people in the world and you see them bouncing around all over the place the first day of semmering was horrible people yeah. tried to attack it and they got thrown out of the course i think the likes of um hector was was all over the place on the first yeah, day she came out she she came she came out of the gate like an absolute rocket and then immediately regretted it about five <laughs> turns later um uh, but it was it was interesting to see how that first day panned out you know Vlahova's you, I mean the way we talked before the season who just said you'd have got to you know the other side of Christmas and Vlahova still wouldn't have won a race yet you'd have been like oh is she injured and just out for the season like she's like she's done she's doing everything she can but Schifrin was just other in than, another league than, other than enjoying herself by the look of it I don't see I don't remember seeing somebody look so annoyed um maybe maybe Christofferson of like five years ago when <laughs> here she would just dominate everything and but at least at least Christofferson would like give you some sort of like he'd drop kick his helmet or he'd swear <laughs> at somebody or he'd smash up a banner at the bottom she just looks she just looks like she's I, I don't know just looks like I don't know I was gonna say having a bit of a strop I fear that I'm just you know maybe going in a bit hard but she just doesn't look like she's enjoying herself one bit and just not enjoying herself at all no no she doesn't um but at the same time like she you know some of that frustration might be skiing really hard and it just not going her way um a bit like that kind of old christopherson um yeah. uh, approach um but what was really good was was Bacino again i think she's been on the podium pretty much every every gs this season which was awesome brignoni was was right there obviously uh, a fair a fair chunk off but up in fifth and uh my my uh constant picking of tests and it nearly paid off she was in a in a pretty good position and i thought she i thought she almost done enough for the podium. Bacino just looked absolutely rocking on that second run. Looked like the Bacino of two, three seasons ago, uh, which was which was absolutely brilliant. Um, and hopefully that then means we've got, like we talk about regularly, a few different people that can challenge uh, Schifrin for, for victories. Um, yes. I mean, I know we talked about, I know I just sort of uh, rebranded Semring as a Schifrinville, but she did only win... The first day by thirteen hundredths, and the second day by a tenth. So it's not not like she she won by like the you know a second and a half or something. So at least she was pushed um, both days. Uh, somebody that will want to forget very quickly about day one. Uh, little Valerie Gret <laughs> Gretiets, a uh, uh, little false oh, star. Yeah. Fourth quick was she fourth quickest on run one? I think so. Yeah, that was a really confusing one when they came back and and kind of said they did a DS key it's one of those things you just you, you're like oh I just presumed it was like an equipment thing to start off with like oh maybe the you know boots or skis risers were too high or failed the technical specs um test but going before the beeps I mean we talk about a lot of rookie mistakes in oh, in, in ski racing 101 I'm sorry that's, I mean, that's... when we talk about people messing up and straddling in the first three gates and say we've all done that I like that's common. I don't think I've ever missed the beeps uh, in in the start of a race. Uh, I've, I've, I've had I've had some howlers. After, it would have been, whoever was thirty first, who was thirty first, who went down first, would like that's like Christmas has come a, will come again. That's like two Christmases. 
because all of a sudden, you know, 31st, you're you're really pissed off that you're not getting a second run. And then all of a sudden they're like, get back, get your skis back out of the car, get back in. You're going to get somebody who's gone before the beeps. Um, more was, frustrating. That was Katarina Huber was, uh, uh, ended up being 30th oh, after the first an Austrian being happy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, one to forget, I think she actually took it on the chin quite well. I think she just said, you know, yeah, all on me, totally messed up. And uh, yeah. And then uh, f- thankfully for her, I guess, backed that up with a fourth position in the GS the following day. So uh, went after the beeps, fifth, sorry. Uh, and then uh, went after the beeps and therefore was allowed and to. Rocked it. Yeah. She was it was over keen. Just she was a tiny bit over eager. Yeah. I, I did. It shows she's got great mental strength because you could considering how difficult that slope was and how well she skied, you could quite easily be like, oh my God, that was my best chance for my best ever result and I blew it and blah, 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 and get all kind of mad at yourself. Um, But the fact that she kind of, obviously she was probably mad at herself, but the fact that she could put it aside and come back the next day and put in that performance, okay, it might not have been as good as the day before, but the fact it wasn't just like a 20th or something shows that she could, she can kind of put it aside and, and, and really deliver and, uh, you know that that second day was an, another one. With, I think he said Cooper Army was was a tenth off she, on the first run. She crossed the line, and we've talked about this a few times. When you think your run was trash because it felt so like bad, yeah, yeah. But it was miles faster than everyone. It was one of the, it was one of those ones I think where she just was right on the edge of control the entire run. So to her, it felt rubbish. Because she came over the line shrugging her shoulders, like shaking her head, hands up in the air, didn't didn't think it was any good. And then when they did an interview with her, she said, "Yeah, I thought it was terrible." Um, and you know, you could you can see from that sometimes what you feel is 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 just the reflection of how fast you're going. Um, and yeah, and I, I felt a bit bad for her because they were banging on about how long. Uh, how it was like her first podium or she'd been on the podium 15 years ago or forever ago when she was a teenager and, and things and they were saying oh will she be able to win back on the place where she got her first podium and bits and pieces and uh, she she almost did it but again like you said Shifrin she's just she was really dialed in this weekend uh, I don't I don't know what it was we talked a little bit about her GS earlier in the year and whether it was quite the standard it was a couple of years ago, but she looked like everything was was gripping perfectly and the setup was right and everything just seemed to be clicking for her. Yeah, and t- I think tactically, which I don't think is whether whether they she's overthought stuff or the team have overthought stuff uh, or whatever, I think this time she, great mental strength. I thought she was really good. Um, and... Uh, uh, but I'm I am pleased that the the rest of the women were pretty close because I think that you know as much as as much as I am enjoying seeing Schifrin get to 80 World Cup wins and and soon to overtake Vaughn and and uh, uh, and and take the all-time record off um, Stenmark, I think I, I don't need I, I don't I mean Odomat's the guy that's killing it and killing it in both senses of the world in GS for me. I'm really pleased that that isn't happening again over on the women's side. Yeah, there's there's a there's a few people you can look at. Brignoni had a pretty good weekend in the GSs, and she is. We again, we we're probably repeating ourselves on now. She is one of the most fun people to watch ski because she is so happy whenever she crosses the line. She is very uh, Italian by nature, with the fact that just everything she feels she expresses in the fit in the finish area um there's there's no kind of ifs or buts about it you know exactly what she's feeling and when she's having a good weekend like she did this weekend she doesn't need to be winning to be happy she, like stick her in the top five and she is absolutely pumped and you can see that excitement going through that team and it's and it's brilliant and Bassino seems to feed off it as well which is which is great maybe um, she'd go and hang out with those guys a little bit m- maybe she should um it was quite cool as well to see um uh, we we mentioned a couple times already this season. Uh, Lara Kolchuri, uh, the uh, Al- Albanian, her start number is going to be coming down rapidly. The way she's getting her uh, second yeah. runs in, so she went from like fifty eighth, I think. Uh, so considering the state of that pace, did really well to get into the, the second run and then got another top twenty. Uh, and the, the it's not all doom and gloom for the Austrians. I mean, 
you know, there's, there's not much to, to cheer about. But um, <laughs> you get the uh, Austrian cheerleading outfit on. Go on. Elizabeth Capara um, was was uh, starting back with with Colturi in in fifty first and and made it into the top twenty as well. So um, you know, there, there might be some hope um, of someone who has some attacking intent um, and ability to ski challenging uh, conditions um, from on the Austrian side of things. Okay, on to, onto the slalom, and then you can then you can really get your uh, <laughs> really get your whacking stick out. Uh, Schifrin took the win for the eighty eightieth eightieth World Cup victory, which in itself is insane uh, and not very fair on the rest of us. Uh, Paula Maltzan in second for her second ever World Cup podium, uh, PB joint PB with that uh, parallel result from a few years ago, which where she really sort of burst onto the scene, I guess sporting cliche but she did uh, and Lena Dern not, nice scheme from her back on the podium 0.34 off um, and Charlie Guest making a second run she talks about getting the monkey off her back after huge promise early on and what in reality should have been at least probably you'd say the easily should have been two top tens back in Levy and then some good skiing after that so frustrating and for her but um, yeah Schifrin insane she is a bit good at ski racing, isn't she? Um, no, in, in for slums, I mean, the, the story is probably more about Maltzham on, on that than it was than it is about Schifrin. Obviously, Schifrin yeah. getting to 80 wins is absolutely incredible and so groundbreaking. It's a one US one two, isn't it? I think some it's 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 some that far. So it's really it's, a big step, though. Yeah, it's, it's it's been a really long time, and just we talk a lot about Paula and her kind of attacking intent. To a fault, um, you yeah. know that the, the way she pushes so hard every run, and and it often costs her because there's generally a big uh, mistake somewhere. Um, so to see her put two runs together was was absolutely brilliant, and you didn't really have a moment of oh my god, she's going to bail um, like you normally do when when it's a when it's a Maltzan run, and she a, a bit like uh, Brignoni was so happy when she finished that run and for Schifrin as well. It shows they've got a, a, a really good bond uh, in that team. And yeah, she she was incredible. Lena Dewar's an, an interesting one at the moment because I just don't know what she can do to get a win. Like she's had the great first runs and then blown it or someone else has had a brilliant second run go and overtaken her. Go hang out with Sandy Wendy, maybe. Yeah, I think... I think if she's going to get a win, it's going to need to be more of a second run charge rather than a win the first run, because that's going to be something that sticks with her for a while now. I think that kind of, do you push hard, do you not push hard, those kind of things. She almost needs a, a conditions race where she kind of gets into that first group on the second run and then just lays one down on a really clean track. But but she's she's incredibly consistent at the moment. And, uh, you know, if, if you think Vlahova was grumpy in the GS, she'd probably a lot more grumpy in the slalom coming forth. Um, uh, because it's just, yeah, just like we said, just not quite happening for her in, in slalom at the moment. I think that... Um... Uh, do you know what? I, I I think if I was her coach, I would be, I'd be working out a way and somebody that hopefully knows her quite well of, of trying to bring some sort of excitement or happiness back into it because I feel like she was so like that's probably the difference. I mean, when you're talking about a few tents, that's can often be the difference is like you know just enjoying yourself, going back out and, and trying to ski and not quite put so much as much pressure or so much pressure on her shoulders as she is. Um, she is obviously ridiculously talented as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if she just, you know, went off and did double in, in, in Zagreb all of a sudden just finds her feet and, and goes mental and just, uh, and walks away with two um, snow queen trophies. Uh, so um, yeah, but I, I, I like the way that Lena does at it. I hundred percent agree with you. If she's going to win one, her first win, I think she'll need to be like fourth or something on the first run just outside and really then have to charge. But I think she re she's somebody that at this point really needs good conditions. She really needs it to, to stay good, I think, for her to like be able to find, find, find like the risk factor to be able to still release the ski a little bit when it's not too rough and bumpy, maybe. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And it's like we said, that was a tough both hill and conditions for, for everyone. And, and like I said earlier, it wasn't a great advert for, for Alpine racing. And 
it'll be interesting to see in the upcoming races with, with the likes of uh, Kranjskogora coming up. Well, just how just how difficult it looks because you know, as we know, that piece is an absolute monster. Well, you're talking about great adverts of skiing. Uh, I'm really hoping that there's some sort of magic in the air over the next few days because um, we need some good adverts when it goes back to when we talk about Zagreb coming up in a second or even Garmisch that's also coming up midweek. Uh, not got the most snow across Europe at the moment and uh, tricky conditions um, on the horizon. It, it is getting colder and so I think they're thankfully able to make snow but it's not... It's, it's certainly not going to be straightforward, I don't think. I think Victor Mofajonde is very happy the men aren't going back to Zagreb just yet um, after getting destroyed by those leaves last year. Um, quick, have you got anything to add, Benjamin, before we boost on to the, what's coming up? No, let's do let's talk talk about more skiing. One, Even more. one thing, just Alex Tilly, GB shout-out, did not finish in the first giant slide and then didn't race in the second. She's got a bulging di- disc in her back. Uh, so it's taking a bit of time away, which is a real shame for her because she um, yeah. struggled she... with, went really well pre-Olympics, then obviously picked up that uh, injury, struck, like pushed really hard to get back to the Games, managed to compete at the Games and then realised more rehab was needed uh, and then sort of started the season off hard, going skiing quickly but not getting the results. And then another injury just seems like um, she needs a little bit of a bit of good fortune. Yeah, that was a, it. Was a tough one. I was watching her first uh, run on the first day. She didn't look comfortable from the start, and considering the conditions of the piece, I, I did find myself thinking, you know, perhaps her and and the people around her and coaches and and whoever else involved just say, look, you know, this 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 isn't worth it. You're not going to put in a career best result in these conditions. You've already hurt your back in training you know, that there is no benefit in racing. Like she needed to be able to be at her freest and, and most attacking to do well. And that hill just was not in the in the right state for that kind of skiing to take place. So yeah, she got bounced around a bit and when she pulled up, she was clearly uncomfortable. So I really I hope that she can yeah. get out the yes. other side of this, get fit yes. and and yeah, and, and and come back hopefully a bit and firing towards the end of the season. Right. So Moving ahead to the picks that were going to have to come everybody's way. Uh, please continue to to play. Join along, um, even if you're doing rubbish like me and Ben, or even worse like Marcel. Um, still get your picks in and keep an eye on the social media channels where the um, sheets, the Google Sheets are being added to make sure you get and, and read them fully because with how it works at the moment with so many races coming thick and fast it's not always easy for you guys to know exactly which races you're getting your picks in for but just make sure that you keep an eye on on the google sheets uh gareth harvey's doing a tremendous job keeping those up to date so thank you to him yet again uh giving me a little break from um trying to do that as well so Sounds. yeah yeah so coming up there are a few, there are quite a few on here, so we'll try and rattle through these relatively quickly. Um, coming up this week, the men are in action for slalom on the fourth, which is Wednesday. The women are in action in Zagreb on the fourth and fifth, also racing slalom. Then this coming weekend, the men are in Adelboden for GS on Saturday, slalom on Sunday. The women are in Kranska Gora, Slovenia for GSGS on Saturday and Sunday. And then the women are racing a night slalom in Flachau. Uh, Fizz didn't listen to us and didn't put it back in Schladming. And they're back on the meadows of Flachau on Tuesday the 10th for a night slalom. Ben. Yeah, boo, indeed. Boo, indeed. But at least they're racing in Kranska Gora because that's miles better than Maribor in terms of a spectacle. And I think the women, I hope, have seen the back of Maribor. I mean, nothing against Maribor, apart from it's a bit too easy for Women's World Cup. True, very true. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's so many races going on right now. uh, My brain's a little bit scrambled with uh, with picks um, in in general. Uh, But yeah, even more so when there's so many happening at once. Um, should we get picking? Should we get picking? I, I think we should just, especially as Marcel's not here, I think we should just pick who you want. Okay. Whoever you want, Ben. 
Uh, Where are we starting? Let's go. Let's go, men. Let's just let's keep it. Let's just let's not do it chronologically. Let's try and keep a, a sense of what's going on with uh, one at a time. Let's start men's slalom, Garmish. Okay, right. So, um, seeing as you didn't get to talk about it, I'll throw back to my epic pick of Daniel Yule and actually finally got a winner this season. Oh, that, was, yeah. that was a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, now, do, yeah, do I trust him again? Um, I'm I'm going to be bold and think Christofferson might get this first win um, because he has been he has come so close now in a bunch of different races, slalom and GS. So I'm going to go uh, Christofferson for Garmisch slalom. I am going to go, I'm going to stick Norwegian and I'm going to go Braten. Nice. Uh, and then for Adelboden, again, let's not worry about uh, picking the same people, but I think, I mean, you, you've got to, I mean, you, we're, both of us are crazy if we're not going for Odomat. I mean, Swiss, Swiss man, Swiss hill, um, unstoppable force, it's, it's got to be. Yeah, so you and I both going Odomat, and then slalom on Sunday. I am I'm going to jump on your Christofferson bandwagon for that one. What are you going to stick Christofferson, or are you going to go? You're going to mix it up and go somewhere else. I'm going to go for a slightly uh, uh, different uh, Swiss person and go back to Yule again. All right, nice. Do you know who I hope wins? Apart from Dave, Dave obviously Dave. But if it's if not Dave, Jakobsen, I still think he's going to. I'd I'd really like to see him do it. I'd like to see him do it. I do actually think he was skiing a little bit more consistent. I'm not sure that uh, kind of bottom section of of Adel Bowden really works for him. Has it got like the the roll and the steep and the turn? I just feel like he's too a little too wild, wild to stay in control through that bit. Um, Right, but Women. if he's if he's if he's skiing and he's new controlled, what you're talking about? Maybe maybe that's where the uh, maybe we'll that's where see. the speed comes in. We will see. We're enough long to wait. Uh, on to the women. Okay, so they are Zagrebing for slaloms on the fourth and fifth, so which is Wednesday, Thursday, double slalom. Um, where are you going to go? So, so I'm going to hedge my bets. Uh, one Schifrin, one Sandy Wendy. Okay, I feel like I'm going to do a similar one. I am going to go for the first race. No, actually, I'm not. I'm going to go first race. I'm going to say Vlahova. That'll make her happy. And then second race, Lena De. I think she's going to get it. She's going to get pray, it. Praying for cold conditions. I'm not sure if, <laughs> if that's going to be the case. Uh, and then we're on to double giant slaloms over in Kranskogora on the 7th and 8th, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know what to do with this one. Um, I'm going to go... going to go freezy, freezy. Go on, go go again because you're you're freezing up. Uh, I am going to go Basino uh, GS one, Schifrin GS two. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to Schifrin race one then, uh, and then on the I'm going to go. Well, who did you say for race two? Or who did you say the other one? Who's your other person? Basino. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's hard to it's hard to not go for one of those. Um, do I think Vlahova is going to do it? No. Hector? Yeah, maybe Hector's going to pull a finger out. I've um, I picked her a few times now. She's not come together. I think oh. I do think it was a, a setup issue that she had. I don't think she really enjoyed those conditions. I'll be interested. We saw a little bit on that first day when it was really bumpy from Alice Robinson, she put in some really good splits and, and I know she's uh, skied well at Crunchyroll before. So I'll be in, interested to see because things haven't really been going her way of late, if, if this can be a place that she maybe finds some of that form um, yeah. of, of old, because she, she likes the challenge and Crunchyroll is a real challenge. That's true. That is true. And then uh, Flacow. Will the Austrians find something new? Lena, do you think that uh, Lienzberger might Lienzberger, sorry, might do some do some sort of fast skiing again? 
No, they got nothing. Um, it sounds brutal, but the 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 uh, com- big, a rebuild, lot of the com- re- big big rebuild. I think we've got we've got to sort of you've yeah, got to a lot back. It's a new Olympic cycle. It's a new rebuild. I think they are floundering a little bit at the moment. But a rebuild would involve them having new races, though. Um, well, like they have got a lot. They'll still have races coming through, won't they? Still have young they, coming through. They they, they will, but um, take a long time. I feel they just they just need a mindset shift. There was so much talk about oh they 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 need the pressure off them. I was like, you're an Austrian ski racer, you're not going to not have pressure. You you need to learn to be able to deal with it. Um, for want of a better word, don't get me wrong, it's it's, it's brutal pressure and it is the most intense scrutiny yeah. that you can have. But they they're not handling it, and none of them look particularly confident at the moment. Yeah. Um, so. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go for an Austrian um, uh, for this one. So I will go. Um, I'm gonna go Sven Larsen. Um, I think her attacking style will suit the Meadows. Yeah, that's that is true. Um, I'm gonna go Schifrin for that one. Eighty-one. I mean, she's got a few chances before that. She might be on. She might be on eighty-four, for eighty-five by then. Yeah, that's true. She could easily be, yeah, uh, 81, 82, 83, 84. That could be her 85th victory. <laughs> the way she skied this weekend, it wouldn't surprise me. But as well, again, I think that, that like we said, with, with Flacow and uh, uh, I think it was, what was it? Crazy Manny that talked trash about Flacow before and it being, yeah. called it the Meadows. Um, I, I think Vlahova style, Sandy Wendy style, you know, I said Sven Larsen for that reason. People who've got that kind of attacking intent, yeah. if you haven't got that on, on that hill, you're going to be a, a mile back. So um, hopefully if Charlie finds that skiing she had from back in uh, Levy, kind of similar slope without the kind of uh, kind of pitch that Levy's got, um, similar kind of rollers um, and undulations, hope, hopefully we can see that same kind of intent from Charlie and... and uh, get her back up that uh, leaderboard. You would hope so, but uh, yeah, I, I just hope that it's. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to. I was going to say hoping for some sort of uh, a miracle, miracle of of some decent snow conditions, which feels like it might be a miracle. But some good snow conditions, some hard conditions. Then at least they can go racing. It's a little bit less about the piece, which is always nice. Like I say, uh, keep an eye on the social media stuff. I'll be posting. The standings from the uh, stuff pre-New Year um, before we get into this set of races, just to give you an idea of how it's all going. And yet again, apologies for not getting that going on at life, as, as you most of you are well know, is, is a little bit busy for me now with my uh, little one arriving just before Christmas. So yeah, I, I'm fully blaming him and will be using that for as long as I possibly can for reasons why I haven't done stuff. Uh, <laughs> So uh, we will be podding ASAP and trying to keep on top of everything. But like I say, keep an eye on the social media channels and we will keep you up to date from Ben and myself until next time. Bye for now.